So since we're mixing it up a little, how about a joke? So what's the difference between praying in church and praying in a casino? Answer? When you're praying in a casino, you really mean it. Okay, okay, you are chuckling now, but stand by, because I'm going to be talking about money. You know, of all the topics that Jesus taught about and dwelt on, you know, some of us would be surprised to find out that he spent loads of time talking about money. Not that money is bad, but how does it order our lives? You know, like a good spiritual director, Jesus is always interested in us noticing and dealing with what motivates us inwardly or what blocks us from God's grace so that it can just flow through us. So right out of the starting gates in Mark chapter 1, Jesus comes proclaiming the main thing. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand, always encouraging us to seek God's kingdom first, to love God with all our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it's in this active partnership in seeking God's kingdom, seeking it with everything that we have, that we're changed, and those around us begin to change as well. In the gospel story today, this man, a rich man, comes to Jesus earnestly, seeking salvation. He wants eternal life. And at the beginning of the reading, we don't know that he's a rich man. Most of us are pretty familiar with this story, but we've misunderstood it because we've villainized the man. We've made him into a bad man, which he is not. Actually, the whole thrust of the story is that he's already a really, really good man. But he's being invited to be more. And that is the key to this story. So this man, he comes running up to Jesus and kneeling, says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice that the question presupposes that eternal life is inherited. It's it's like snagging a a ball at at the ballpark that's gone stray. But those, it's it's done by when we when we do certain things, that that's That's what happens. He's really asking, what good things must I do? So Jesus rejects precisely that presupposition, reminding him that no one is good. Only God is good. Jesus is trying to help him to see differently. Salvation is not earned. It's free, undeserved, no resource that you can own. Jesus recognizes that here is a man who is truly seeking to go deeper with God. And so Jesus continues to draw him in, and he cites the commandments. Relieved, the man shares, you know, I've I've already been doing that. And that's right. He's already living at this very high level of spiritual maturity. And Scripture says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Whenever Scripture says that Jesus looks at someone, this is a look of love and of blessing. So Jesus looks at him and he loves him. This is a good man, but he sees that he's clutching hard onto something. 
And so Jesus offers him this invitation. And it's an invitation to move to the next level of maturity, saying, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it away to the poor, and then come back and follow me. So yes, eternal life is absolutely free, but here's the hitch. Where this man was in his spiritual life, he still has this need to hang on to this crutch. And Jesus is trying to invite him to take this deep dive to trust God beyond his wealth. At that point in his faith journey, the man couldn't do it. So he went away grieving. Not that he went away bad, but he went away sad. You know, for some of us, if we're honest, this has been our story a few times. This man, he came to Jesus. He was a good, rich, sad man. And he went away from Jesus, a good, rich, sad man. He didn't lose anything, but he didn't gain anything either. But what was the invitation of Jesus that he turned down? At that stage in his faith walk, it wasn't to believe in God. It wasn't to become a good man. He was already that. He turned down the invitation to let go, to receive and trust in God's resources. Let me give you another image and close out with this to help you think through all that. The Desert Fathers, they had this wonderful little story on this, and it goes, One day, Abbot Lot, a younger abbot, he goes to Abbot Joseph, the senior abbot, and the younger says to the older, Father Joseph, according as I am able, I keep my fast, I keep the rule of the order, and according as I am able, I say my prayers daily. I try to be faithful, and I try to cleanse my thoughts of all the evil. Now, what else must I do? And the older abbot, he rose up, and he stretched out his hand, and his fingers became lamps of fire. And he said, why not become pure flame? Yeah. Why not become pure flame? This is the invitation of Jesus to the rich man. And it's the same invitation that he offers to many of us at this stage of our spiritual maturity. We're already good. Why not become pure flame? Yet Jesus is pointing towards those areas that we hold back from God. Those areas that we don't quite trust letting go of that impossible could never let go of that and most likely jesus is not asking us to sell everything lord knows we still have to put food on our table and pay the car insurance but then again how much money do we really need what growth might happen in us and in god's kingdom right here if we more fully trusted god with our money and with our time Traditionally, families have aimed at tithing 10% of their income to God. And Donna and I, because we're in the stage of our life that we can do that, we just let it go. I mean, it's, uh, it was God's money first, so there it is. But for many of us who 
can't do that or shouldn't do that right now, this is the time of year when we ask you to consider what percentage of your income should you share with God in this kingdom, this kingdom at St. Christopher's that has done so many for so long and really made a difference. And so as we prepare to make our annual pledges, which is next month, in the end of this month, you know, we are going to ask you to consider the impossible good things that God might do with us if we opened our hand to him a bit more, whether that's in our finances or in our serving or in our forgiving or whatever it is. And so after the bishop's visit, y'all are going to receive a pledge card, and we're going to, for the next week in worship, we're going to offer that pledge to God in a worship setting and then we'll culminate on All Saints Sunday on the 7th of November. And so perhaps this year, for all of us as a community, as we stretch out our hand, it will be completely aflame with the Holy Spirit and his work here among us. Amen.